Okay, everyone, lo and behold, we're ready to start. Exciting. A little late, but let's get started. Short, short uh, learning tonight. I think so, but always special. This week is Pasha's Kisaitse. It's got so many mitzvahs, so many mitzvahs. And uh, one of the mitzvahs that is mentioned in this week's parsha is that one should not wear wool and linen mixed together. The mixing of wool and linen, which we call shatnas, that's why when we buy clothing, we usually ought to take it to check. We take it to a uh, special uh, laboratory where they do an inspection to make sure that there isn't any linen threads in a woolen suit or something like that in a wool dress. It's one of the prohibitions in the Torah. However, we know that there's an exception. The garments of the Kohanim in the, whole, in the temple, the Kohanim wore a, a, a belt, an avnate. The belt, the avnate belt, was wool and linen mixed together. So too was in the garments of the high priest. The choshen, the ephod, all had wool and linen mixed together. But even a regular, but a regular kohen only had it on his belt. That wool and linen were joined together. Another possible per, per, uh, uh, time in which something that is forbidden usually becomes a mitzvah is on the tzitzis. You're allowed to have, because the, the, the mitzvah of tzitzis, which is, is to have, um, which I think is also mentioned this week in the parsha. yeah? This week in the parsha it mentions the mitzvah of tzitzis, to wear the, the, the fringes on the four corners of a garment. So tzitzis, uh, the law about tzitzis is as follows, that you're supposed to make the fringes from the same from the same material in which you have the garment itself. So if you have a polyester garment, you're going to wear polyester tzitzis. So it is, if you have a silk garment, you will wear silk tzitzis. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you have a woolen garment, you wear wool, wool tzitzis. And if you have a linen garment, you're supposed to wear linen tzitzis. There's, however, one issue with that. And that is that when we have our tzitzis in its fullest form of a mitzvah, then in addition to the white strings, we also have one string dyed blue, psil techelas. Now the techelas, the blue dye, only works on wool. The white strings can be any type, whichever, whichever material it is. But the but the wool but the blue can only be a wool string. Now, what happens if you have linen, a linen garment, a four-cornered linen garment? So the law is, you are permiss- you're permitted to tie on it, and you can even have the fringes all be linen. But that one string that one uh, um, um, uh, yeah one piece of uh, string will have to which is going to be dyed with the blue wool is going to have to be wool so you're actually tying together wool and linen the mitzvah is comes the positive commandment of wearing tzitzis and it 
overrides the prohibition of wearing shatnas. And one is allowed to do that. Today's days, it is not recommended. We don't do it. First of all, we don't really wear the wool, the blue, the tchelas. There are those today, based on certain scientific discoveries in Israel, that are, have reintroduced tchelas. You find a lot of people in Eretz Yisrael, Breslov, Hasidim, and others, that wear tchelas based on certain research. Others refrain from it until Mashiach comes. We're not exactly sure, for whatever reason, we don't do it. But even if you do wear tchelas today, we will not, you will not, you're not allowed to wear it on a linen garment. The reason we're afraid is because we're afraid a person will continue to wear it at night. The mitzvah of tzitzis is really only during the daytime, not during the nighttime. So you're only allowed to fulfill this commandment you're only allowed to override the prohibition of wearing wool and linen together only if you're doing at the time of mitzvah. If you're going to be wearing the mixture of wool and linen and it's not a mitzvah, for instance, if you're wearing it at night, then you are violating the prohibition and not doing a mitzvah. So in that case, it's forbidden, of course. So that's the reason why we don't allow that today from happening. Okay. That's the idea. In this discourse from the Tzamech Tzedek, to say it's a Maimer, it's probably more like a Rishima. Rishima means that he, the Tzamech Tzedek, didn't prob- probably didn't say this, this Maimer. He just uh, took notes for himself. The writings of the Tzamech Tzedek. It's a different style, a little bit. He brings lots of different sources, different ideas, and he tries to kind of you know, weave a tapestry from all these ideas together. So he gets into the root of this idea of shotness. So the silver shotness, so it says this week in the parsha, you may not wear shotness, which is a blend. of wool and linen together, yachtov together. So in Perak Aleph he brings, Pirka the Rebeliezer. He brings in the Midrash of Rebeliezer. Perak Chaf Aleph in chapter 21. In Pirkei Rebbeliezer, I have it over here. It says over there, it's talking about the the early days of mankind. So it says how there were two brothers. There was Cain and Hevel. So here it says, Cain enjoyed to work the land. He was a he was a he was a he was a a, 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 a farmer who worked the land. And Hevel took to, um, and he had a, a feeling, a, a, a passion uh, to, uh, to uh, be a shepherd, to work with, with, with cattle, with animals. This one gave work. Now, obviously, this was all exciting new professions then. No one ever did these work yet. This is the first people who were going to try out the earth. Farming. First one trying out working with animals. In any case, what they did was they were good brothers. They got along very nicely. This one fed, fed the other one. I guess the farmer fed the... Um, fed the Cain who was from the... The farmer fed his brother Hevel from the, from the produce from the earth. And he fed him back he gave him from the animals. Now, even though the Mepharshim asked, how could he feed him 
from the animals, they weren't permitted to eat. They weren't permitted to eat meat yet until Noah. They were all vegetarian. So probably they say it means not didn't give him meat, but rather he gave him um, gave him uh, milk, eggs from the chickens and things like that. So he fed him from his animals, even though it it not the meat itself. Or there are those who want to say that it could be that it was prohibited to kill an animal. But if an animal died on its own, they didn't have the laws of shechita yet. So if an animal died on its own, they were permitted to eat that meat. Only they're not allowed to kill an animal in order to eat the flesh, which was permitted to Noah. In any case, this was going on nicely until what? They started introduced religion. The moment they introduced religion, problems happened. I'm sorry. It came Pesach by night. Adam So Adam said to his sons, Adam told his children, tonight, this is a holy night. This is the night that your children are going to offer sacrifices, carbon Pesach, Paschal lambs. This is a night for sacrifices. Go offer up a, a offering to your Creator. So Cain went along and he brought some leftovers from his food. He brought uh, flax seed. He offered, he took from his flax. Now flax, from in terms of the various different types of produce that you can grow in the land, uh, flax is not the best of the best. And even, uh, yeah, that's not... And you could have brought other things. Or maybe the type of flax itself that he bought was not the highest quality. Hevel also brought, but he brought from the first, from the best of his sheep. And from the fatty ones, from the really good sheep. You can actually see it inside. I, until now I was reading from here, but now from this part he's reading from here as well. Kvasim Sheep that were, that were not sheared. Meaning they were unsheared sheep. So they had a lot of uh, hair on them, wool on them. Vinitav minchas kayan. Cain's, um, Cain's um, carbon was rejected. Vinirtseis minchas hevel. Hevel's um, uh, carbon was accepted. As it says, Hashem turned to Hevel and to his offering. Okay. This is what happened. So one brought wool and the other brought linen. Okay. So he brings over here, before we continue inside, he brings in the, in the parentheses. Look in the Parentheses. Now, if, is he referring to Lakuti Torah of the Alter Rebbe, the famous Maimer Vehenef, or is he referring to Lakuti Torah of the Arizal, which can also have a piece on Vehenef? I'm not sure because I didn't check. So I don't know which Lakuti Torah he's referring to. It can be either, either. But, anyways, over there it says in the Zohar these words that Hevel, when he brought, it says, it emphasized over here, that he brought, he offered from the sheep that were 
that were not shorn yet. And why did he do that? Because day, because his thoughts were in a very high place. Heve Ba'asar was in a place, Tehsiv, it says in the verse, Va'atik Yoimin Yosef, the ancient of days, sits. Vesar Reshe, it says, Lavushe, his garment can tell a chiver is like white snow. Vesar Reshe, and the hair of his head, Ka'amer Naki is like clean wool. It's supposed to be Naki. Here it says Ka'amer Kani. I guess he's supposed to change the nun. It's a printing mistake. Like clean, like clean wool. So that was the reason why he brought wool. He wanted to evoke the hair of the ancient of days. By, by They were great. Uh, they were the sons of Adam. They just came out of Gan Eden. They had this incredible knowledge of the supernal realms of the divine. So Hevel was intending to evoke that, uh, that level, which is very, very high. It represents the supernal whiteness of the white wool. That's what he brought. Anyways, over here it says, V'netav min chaskayin, V'nesrats min chashevel. You can turn over the page. Shenemar, as it says, V'yisha Hashem al hevel v'amulchasa, Hashem turns to hevel and his mincha. So now he continues inside, in Pirkei Jebeliezer. Rebbe Yeshua ben Karcha Oimer, Rebbe Yeshua ben Karcha says, on the second page, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God says, Al yisarev min chaskayin v'hevel lo'olam. We cannot blend anymore forever. I will never let this happen. That the gift, the sacrifice, the offering of Kayin, which is linen, and the offering of Hevel, which is wool, may never ever be mixed again together. Maybe, God forbid, they will mix in a woven garment, be'erek beged in a, in, a, in, a, in a woven garment, shenemar as it says, lo silba shatnes tzemer You cannot wear tzemer upishtim because by doing that, you're kind of mixing the energies of Cain and Ebel. Cool. That's the reason of this prohibition, because these two energies don't work together. As you see, they got into a fight and they killed each other, or one killed the other. Vahuva, and this is brought by Yudches. I couldn't figure out today who Yudches is. Yudches, I still don't know. Erech Adam. It's a Sefer, seems to be more of a Sefer. That's of Kabbalistic nature. And again, the, the acronym of the book is Yudches. And it's set up in a way that it has a, a, um, a glossary or some kind of a, like, an, like a, um, an index similar to the book of Pardes. The book of Pardes I mentioned to you has in it an index of of, of names of people, objects, and entities, and it gives its Kabbalistic meaning to each. So in this Sefer Yudches, it's bothering me to no end that I can't figure out what the Yudches is, um, in, the, in, the, in the Erech of Adam, in his index where he speaks about Adam, Adam, Sif Yud Gimel, in his chapter 13 over there, when he talks about the concept of Adam, 
Tisham Sif Ayin Zayin, and over there in chapter or uh, paragraph 77, looks like it's a big chapter, the chapter on Adam, if he's got from 13 all the way to 77, Kasev is Elushainai, and he writes over there as much. Tam Kalayim, the reason for Kalayim, what's the reason that we, the mitzvah of Kalayim, Shaloyas Arvu Kayan Vehevel Yachad. We can't mix Cain and Evel. You see, this is based on what it says over here from the Rabbi Shua ben Karcha, from the Pirkad Rebbe Eliezer. That what? That Cain and Hevel cannot be mixed together. The Dom is Sitra the Kedusha. Now here he adds already more meaning to this. Not only are there two unmixable energies, but one of them is holy and one of them is the other side. Obviously, Hevel is the holy one. That's why initially his carbon was accepted by God. He represents the realms of holiness. And Cain represents the unholy. Similar to the two brothers later, Yaakov and Esau, where Esau represents the unholy and Yaakov is the inheritor of holiness. So Cain and Hevel is the same idea. One comes from the side of holiness, and one comes from the other side. And then he continues, Umisha Mechabra, anybody that attaches them, Marbe Koach Hasitra Achra Olav. If you mix them together, you increase, God forbid, the power of the other side is being increased and intensified over holiness and over himself, of the, of the wearer of that garment. Someone's wearing that garment. He's bringing upon himself the powers of the unholy, the power of Cain, the power of the linen that's coming from the unholy. And that power is kind of now, when it's on its own, linen is not a problem on its own. It's only when you're mixing it with the wool, and it seems like the wool is a power of Kedusha. As we spoke earlier, the wool is from God's here. And uh, one is allowing the klipa, the sitra achra, the other side, to derive the energy from that place, and that's a really not good thing. And if you're going to ask, so then he continues and he says like this. And if you're going to ask and you're going to say, How can you mix? How can you mix? How can you mix? Um, veg, uh, uh, um, how can you mix? This mixture in tzitzis, as I mentioned earlier, in tzitzis, in the tzitzis, it's permitted. In the in the tzitzis, it is permitted to to have the wool and the linen. If Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel are two forces that don't that don't mix together, the force of wool and the force of linen they don't mix together. How can you mix it together in the in the tzitzis? Ubimigdash and also in the temple. Lamahayamutra, why was it permitted? Ki, so that's the question. So he explains. Again, this is all the Sefer Yudches. Again, which I as I mentioned earlier, I don't know who he is. Sham. Because holiness, so he now explains. Because in the Beis Amigdash, in the temple, 
and in tzitzis, there is such an intensification of holiness. So in this particular setting, since we we're moving inward into a place where holiness is very intense, so this mixture will not be damaging. Because the sitra achra cannot use the linen to kind of uh, hack the sitra achra, the other side can't use can't use the linen as a means to hack holiness and to and to uh, derive that energy and take it to the wrong thing. Ain Sham, that's what he says over there. Really, you can the origins of this idea is from Zohar. Yeah, on the third in the third in the third uh, p- p- part of the Zohar, page eighty six, on the second side, which over there I guess this concept, which concept the concept that it's mixing Cain and Hevel together, or the concept that in Sitzis and in the Beis Hamikdash it doesn't harm, I'm not sure because I didn't look up the Zohar, but one of these two concepts is derived from the Zohar. And again, we find the origins of it in Pirkei de Rebeliezer here as well, um, which is again the predecessor for the Zohar, because Rebeliezer was the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva was the Rebbe of Rabbi Shimon Ba Yochai, the author of the Zohar. So this is like the grandfather of the Zohar. So, but this is more midrashic, not Kabbalistic, Rebeliezer. Anyway, this is the idea. So we have an insight into the mitzvah of shotness. Don't mix. Cain and Abel together. And we see that Cain brought the offering of linen. Havel brought, Abel brought the offering of wool, because he brought sheep. Sheep is wool. And God says, keep the two separate. So now the Tzemach Tzedek already adds commentary. And what does the Tzemach Tzedek say? We have to say, this concept, that you can have something that is considered um, negative and unholy in a, when it is in a certain setting, and the very same thing is permitted in another setting, and it's not considered unholy. Where do we find something like that? Food. Food. Regular food. Kosher food. Kosher food, even though it's kosher, we know we have to be very careful when we eat. When we eat, we have to say the blessing, number one. Number two, it is always recommended that when we eat, we don't just eat mindlessly, but we should eat always with the right intentions. Why? Because the food is a mixture of good and bad. Everything in the world is mixed of good and bad. And the attitude that we have when we're eating will determine the nature of that energy that we're deriving from the food. The food enters our body, into our bloodstream, becomes part of our body. How will it enter into, how will it be assimilated and integrated into our being? Will it be assimilated as a force of holiness, or will it be assimilated as a force of klipa, of unholy? And that depends what we intensify when we eat the food. If we're thinking about the energy and our intentions are to serve our Creator, so then we dismiss the kalipa that's in the food, the shell. It's like it's like you cra- It's just like it's the same like you know, you know you, you take a any uh, any any um, uh, an egg, 
you can eat an egg and crunch into the, and eat the peel with the egg. And then the peels are going, and they're not good. The body doesn't do well with the egg peels or eggshells. The body doesn't do well with peels of certain nuts if you're just going to eat them hard. To, they're klipa, they're, they're, they're kushel. They're not good for the body. You don't digest it. Or you take a moment and crack the pistachio, throw away the nut and take out the fruit and eat what is, what is edible and what is nutritious instead of eating the peel. So when you eat, spiritually it's the same thing. When you disregard just the physical pleasure and the light that you get from the food, and it doesn't mean you disregard it, you don't feel it, it's just not, it's not your primary element in the eating. Primary link is not the pleasure of the food. The primary idea is you want to eat what's nutritious and what's healthy so that you can get the energy. And that's what you're thinking so that you can serve God, not just for energy, but the energy is for serving Hashem. You extract the panemius of the food, the inner and your and the and the kalipa, the unholy in the food dissipates and disappears. And now you've absorbed the holy energy in your body, and that food itself, as we learned in many times in many memoriam, is going to enhance your spirituality. It's going to stimulate, it's going to enhance your spiritual, your 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 it's going to increase your desire to learn more Torah, do more mitzvahs, it's going to push you towards good things. Um, if, God forbid, one eats and forgets to make the blessing or is just being gluttonous in the food that they're eating, then they're highlighting the klipa and the holy potential that's in the food kind of gets locked and actually gets descends into a place where it's trapped and it can't, even though there's holiness there, but it's, it's kind of uh, untapped. And not only is it untapped, it's now even in a greater prison than it was before. You lowered the food, and you lowered its, its godly potential, and actually the person is now living off unholy energy from the food. It's now entered their bloodstream as dark energy, not as positive energy, which will probably create within their mind inclinations towards not such good things. Negative, depression, sadness, this, that, doubts, questions, all the stuff that, you know, which are coming, anger, uh, you know, it's, it's what can be from the food that we ate, in, without, which is not in a good intention. And this is the idea of selection that we have to do. It's idea that, borer, we have to, we have to we, whenever we touch food, we have to immediately stop for a moment, take a moment, and do a selection. I want the good, and I want to reject it. We have to do that all week long, but not on Shabbos. On Shabbos, we can let our guard down and allow the food in without the filter. Isn't that amazing? Shabbos, you can allow the food in without the filter. Now, why is it that Shabbos, we can allow food into our system without filtering it? Look who's here. She Over here. How are you? I, 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 Baruch Hashem, I needed some male energy. You have, you have another copy? Move it, move it there. Oh no, you put it there, she put it there, she put it there, it's there. No, 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 it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. I didn't realize we had it there. On Shabbos, um, over there, over there. Oh, take the water, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying the copies are there. I'm just, I'm putting, po- I'm po- but take the water. Okay. Where's your tea? Okay. On Shabbos, you can let your guard down. Why? 
Now, why are you allowed to eat food on Shabbos without all that mindfulness? Um, it's because the food itself dropped its shell. The shells are not in the food on Shabbos. The food is shellless. It's completely... It, why? Because all of the physical creation rises on Shabbos. The food that was once part of Klipas Noga, which is a mixture of good and bad, the bad in Klipas Noga falls away on Shabbos. And the good of Noga is elevated into holiness. With that comes all the foods, all the, all the, all the things that derive their energy from this Klipa. So now they're in a place... There. So what do you see from here? That the same object... The planting on where on can be in two different settings. In the weekday, in the weekday setting, it's a the sitra achra has power there. The other side has power over it, and on Shabbos it ceases to have power. So similar to that, he is deriving and saying the same will also apply to the mixture of wool and linen. That the linen is related to the other side, to the unholy side. And if you mix it with wool, which is representing holiness, the powers of the unholy will derive energy from holiness and you're creating a big cosmic mess. And intensifying from the outside, different than food, food is internalizing, but from an outside power, you're intensifying the forces of unholiness on a person's body. That is when you're wearing this outside the temple. But in the Beis Amidash, in the temple, it was permitted. Again, it doesn't mean that you're allowed to bring your shotness suit into the temple. It doesn't mean that if you had a shotness dress that you took to check and they told you a shotness, say, well, I'm going to wear it when I go to the temple. No, it's only the priests in the garments that they wear while they're officiating, it's permissible to wear, to have wool and linen uh, mixed together. Why? Because in the setting of the temple, that place is an elevated area. So therefore, everything that's there is an elevated state. So the sitra achra, the other sign, has now power, no power over the linen when it is in the Beis HaMikdash. So the nature of the linen in the Beis HaMikdash is of a different nature than the linen when it's outside of the Beis HaMikdash. Or, on another exception, when you have a four-garment, a four-cornered garment, and you make it and you put the tzitzis on it, the, the fringes, the talas, then this garment is elevated to a higher level. There's extra holiness there. And that state, the klipa, has no power over it. So therefore, the wool and the linen could be mixed together. That's what the Tzemach Tzedek is explaining. The Tzadach Loimar, we have to say, it's similar to the food on Shabbos. Doesn't have a mixture of bad. Because the klipas noga on Shabbos, what happens to the klipa on Shabbos? Mispared hatov sheba mahara. The good, it's on the second page. The good from separates in the first paragraph on the second page. Um, the good from the bad separate. The nichlal hatov bekedusha, and the good gets in- included and absorbed in holiness. Nimtza comes out. This very same food item, yesh boy hefrish ben choylo ben Shabbos, has a difference in which time zone it is. In the weekday, it has this problem, this this challenge, this difficulty. 
I'm sorry, this, uh, this mixture. And on Shabbos, the food is completely holy. Cain, and the same is also, when the wool and the, lit, the linen have become part of a garment of tzitzis, it doesn't have a mixture of sitra achra of other side, but, but it's still a mixture of two entities. But it's not holy and unholy, it's a mixture of two forces of holiness. Kindness and severity. And kindness and severity could be unified as long as it's in the realm of the holy. As these, as kindness and severity begin to make their way further outward into the outer state of existence, into the external levels of, of beingness, over there, kindness, the energies of kindness, take a longer, longer time until they exit into the unholy, because kindness is more godly revelation. So therefore, kindness, the energy of kindness, stays holy much longer. At the very, very, very core end, kindness also leaks into the unholy. It's, impo- it's possible to have unholy love, and it's possible to have unholy, but it's, it's further out and in a much lesser degree. In the side of severity, in the side of gvura, the klipa begins to mix. It begins to translate and to, to evolve into the, into the forces of unholiness at a much earlier stage. And therefore, when, you, when you're mixing, so if this would be something like this. When you're in the outer realm of existence and you take wool and linen together, the definition of wool and linen in the outer realm of existence is kedusha and klipa, holy and unholy. Take that very same wool and linen and bring it inward to a more inner place, to an inner dimension, like happens when you're doing a mitzvah. You're connecting it to a far inner, deeper energy in an inner realm. So in that inner realm, that very same wool and linen is two forces of holiness. The force of um, the force of chesed, the wool is the force of chesed, and the linen is the force of gevura. That means like this, it's the same energy all along. It's kindness and severity. But in a deeper realm of existence, the severity is holy. Kindness is holy and severity is holy. As it materializes outward into the material physical world, holiness maintains holiness even out, even as it reaches the physical, the physical wool. And the unholy, I'm sorry, and the severity channel, which translates into linen, linen is related to, to, to gavura, uh, by the time it gets out into its physical form, it's already clean. And if you're going to mix them there, you're mixing holy and unholy, and you're giving the unholy access to holiness, and thereby causing a big mess. That's the idea. In the inner world, it's a chesed and gevur of holiness. So it is explained by us 
on the pasuk heina adam oikachet mimenu. It's a mimer in Torah or where the Alter Rebbe talks about uh, when Hashem is speaking about um, when Adam Arishon ate from the tree of knowledge. God seems to be very bothered by the repercussions that can happen from man having to know, having gotten to know evil. So God says, now there's a problem because once man has gotten to know evil in an intimate way, if he's gonna, if he's gonna eat from the tree of life, then he's gonna bring real, real danger to the world. So we gotta kick him out of the garden of Eden. That's what God, that's what Hashem says. But, they, but interesting, when Hashem introduces that idea that man has gotten to know evil, He says man has become like one of us. Like He, t- he says to the angels, man has now gotten information that we have. He has become godlike. In that what? That he knows good and he knows evil. And that's why it's dangerous. So you ask a question. If God knows good and evil and it's not dangerous, and if there are angels, God is speaking to the higher, who know good and evil and it's not dangerous, how come when the human being will know good and evil, it is dangerous? If the human is now similar to Hashem, so in in that mimer, the Alter Rebbe comes to explain that. And in that mimer he explains... That the knowing of good and evil <clears throat> is not in essence bad. It's only when a being like a human knows good and evil, then it's bad. When a being, a higher divine being knows good and evil, it's not bad. And he explains with that, I'm not going to get into it, that the way they know things up there is in a way of knowledge that is, keeps the knower and the knowledge detached from each other. When you know it, it's not you. You can know it, you can know it in a way of makif, in, in, in an outer way. So you can, know, you can know of evil, but it doesn't, it's not, um, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, not it, it's not becoming you. But by a human, when, he, when a humans know, since humans internalize, so when they're knowing, they become that which they know. What's coming to my mind is similar to the idea that um, Generally, there is a prohibition in the Torah that we are not allowed to read books on various, on on different, um, on different way, on uh, on different on cults and on different ways of, uh, because your person will say, "I just want, I'm, I'm curious. I want to read about different uh, religions or different belief systems and so on and so forth." Are Jews supposed to study Torah? We're not. And so in addition to wasting of time, the, the, the Torah is afraid that you, know, you might read all kinds of different things and it might, you, might become, you might become seduced by it, by the, not by whatever information. So you're not allowed to read about, you're not allowed to read books on idolatry to read and understand how they worship because it might make sense to you and you might get, it's a prohibition. But it says that the Beisdin had an obligation to read those books because they needed to know how they worship so that, so that just in case uh, someone worships idols, they have to know if this is if he worshipped it the way it is meant to be worshipped. So they have to really study all these books. 
but hold it when they're studying it, they're, they're kind of being influenced by it. So it seems like the Beisden, for who they were, were able to gain that knowledge in a manner where it remained completely detached from them. It's a different type of, of, of where you can, know, you can know something without knowing it and digesting it. And that's what he explains in that Mimer. So what do you see over there? You can have the same thing, the knowledge of good and evil. In one level it's kosher, and in another level it's not kosher. In another state of being. So this is the idea that we're saying over here. The mixture of good and linen in an inner world, in an inner dimension, is not bad at all. It can even be a mitzvah. And the very same mixture on a more outer level of existence can be toxic and very dangerous. The, the, the good inclination and the evil inclination that was by a human being before the sin and after the sin. Before the sin, we also had an evil inclination. But the evil inclination in, before the sin was not evil. It was called Yetzirah, but it wasn't evil. It was, uh, it was actually a very good force. And but then when it went after the sin, when the human being coarsened, that very force which was good, it was a force of intensity, became as translated in the course, as the human being made um, thickened and became dense in his consciousness, the Yitzhahara, which was once Yitzhatov remained good, and Yitzhahara became uh, a, 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 uh, a a negative force. You can't compare them one to the other. The eight, if you would, if you would say, take a before and after picture of the Yitzhahara, before the sin and after the sin, before the core sinning and after the core, you wouldn't recognize it. It's a complete different beast, a complete different being. When Mashiach will come, we're not going to get rid of the Yitzhahara. The Yitzhahara is going to be rehabilitated and reinstated to what he was before. And which is a very powerful force to utilize for holiness. Not in any way a force of negative. Kitzer. So now he does a little kitzer. A kitzer is a summary. This is an attachment and a mixing together of Cain and Hevel. Of Cain and Hevel. By your days and through this Magbir Koyachasitra Achra. Through this, if chas v'shalom, you bring it together, one intensifies the power of the other side. So how come kalayim on tzitzis, uh, shatnas and tzitzis, a mixture by tzitzis is permitted? Because in the level of the mitzvah, since as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's elevated to a much higher place, over there there is no power for the sitra achra. What does that mean? What it means is over there, these two very entities is not a mixture of holy and unholy. And the other side, it's a mixing and an integration of chesed the kedusha. They're both holy. It's a mixture of kindness and severity of holiness, which could mix. Because in holy, 
the two sides mix together, kindness. We have this blend, and actually it's a healthy, good thing. Okay. Now, that's his first par- paragraph. Then he brings B'medrash Rabbe, Parshas Chukas. Then he brings from Midrash. Parshas Chukas, Perik Yutes. In the Medrash, Parshas Chukas, Perik Yutes, Daf, Reish, Ayin, Dalit. Page 274, Rabbi Yeshua of Sichnin. In the name of Rebbe Levi says, There are four things that the Yetzahara, that the evil inclination um, um, questions, or, or questions, the Yetzahara doesn't question, um, cast doubts and likes to... Um, Likes to make fun of and, and be cynical about. Four things. Four mitzvahs that he, he, he thinks the Yetzirah comes to a person and says that these things don't, are ridiculous. They don't make any sense. And these are four mitzvahs. By all four of them it says that this is a, stat, this is a command, a, a decree. It's a decree. Meaning you don't have to understand how it works. That's the way it is. What are those four mitzvahs? Eishas ach. A sister-in-law. That's the first one. The prohibition relating to a sister-in-law. And what's, what kind of sister-in-law? A person's, a person's brother's wife. Okay? One's brother's wife. In terms of the brother-in-law marrying his sister-in-law. So one of the people that one may not marry is the wife of your brother, even if she's, gotten div- she's been divorced. Okay? Uh, 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 a woman is married, okay? Her husband divorced her, and now her, her husband's brother wants to marry her. It's a prohibition. It's one of the arroyos, one of the forbidden relationships. You're now allowed to marry your brother's wife. Now, that is prohibited. But then that very same combination becomes a mitzvah. When does it become a mitzvah? Also this week's in the Torah portion. In the end of the Torah portion, if the brother dies childless, okay, and his wife now is widowed, the brother who this marriage is considered a illegitimate marriage, a prohibited marriage, a prohibited relationship, now he's commanded to marry her. He has a mitzvah to marry her. And so that the child that they're going to have could be named after and considered a continuation, a legacy for the, for the deceased brother who died childless. That's a mitzvah, yibo. If he doesn't want to, then we have the whole process that she they do chalitza, she removes the shoe and she spits on the floor and the whole story, and that's how we can release this connection. So the Yitzhahara thinks it's ridiculous because how can one person, if how can this be considered a toxic relationship, and now it becomes and then something change, one small little change, and now it's a holy relationship. It's a mitzvah, which means it's a very godly thing. Is it bad or is it good? Make up your mind. How can it be both? So Eishas Ach, that's one of the things that the Yetzirah laughs at. Another one is Kalayim. Is, is, is Shatnas. Bad or good? Toxic mix or 
or or commandment mitzvah in tzitzis. It's a good thing in the base amigdash. Another one is sarah mishtaleach, the goat that is used on Yom Kippur, the scapegoat, which is cast down the cliff. We know that this this is what the source of atonement. When they would send this scapegoat out, it brought atonement and it cleaned the sins of all the Jewish people. The strange thing is that anybody who touches that goat on the way out or anybody involved in the process becomes contaminated. Which contamination means impurity related to sinfulness. So how can that very goat that brings atonement and and distances us from sin bring the, 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 the impurities of sin upon anybody that's involved with it. Right? It doesn't make any sense. Here you have that same thing that, that releases and, 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 and frees one from sin that contaminates. And the other one, that does, of course, that doesn't make any sense and is the decree is the red heifer. Because the red heifer, the paraduma, the ashes... Uh, remove the stain of, of, of impurity, of, of, of contamination related to death, and yet anybody that touches it becomes contaminated. This very thing. So, it, it, again, you got the paradox. Klayim, and that's what the, the Medrash explains. Klayim, loisil b'shatnis, v'sadin b'tzitzis, mutter. And then as Medrash says, sadin b'tzitzis, and tzitzis, it's permitted. Uksiv by, and it says by it, Chuka, and that's why it really says chuka by tzitzis. Where does it say chuka? Not by shatness. Not in this week's parsha. Not in Kiseitze, but in Parshas Kedoshin in Leviticus and Vayikra. So in Parshas Kedoshin, over there it says, also you can't wear here. Here's the pasuk. As chukoisai tishmoru, tishmoru, my decrees you should observe. Behem techaloisar biakalayim, your animals you should not mix breed. Sadchaloitizraklayim, your fields you should not mix, uh, plant a mixture. Ubeget kalayim shatnez layala elacha. And a mixed garment, shotness, mixed wool and linen, may not be placed upon your body. Layalalecha should not go upon you. So it says clearly in that verse, this is a decree. Because again, here you're going to have something that it, 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 we don't understand. Um, and by all of them, by all these four mitzvahs, by, by, by the red heifer, it says, Zos chukas haTorah. And by Bashkedoshim, uh, and it quotes by each of by each of these four, it says Chuka decree. Parshas Kiseitze Dafresh Tzadik Zayin Amadalev. But then he brings another midrash. And this is one midrash that I just now quoted that says that these are mitzvahs that we we we, we that this is a paradox. And Parshas Kiseitze the midrash. In our parsha, the first tzaddik zayin amid aleph, the Ramaschel ma'u kiliv yaschein talks about mitzvahs, and it says mitzvahs are livyaschein. They are an accompany. There are a. They are a accompaniment of grace. Mitzvahs are accompaniment of grace. Amar Pinchas, 
So Rabbi Pinchas says, in what sense do we say mitzvahs are a, are a, a accompany the person with grace? Amr Pinchas Balchama, so Pinchas Balchama says, the mitzvahs accompany a person because wherever you go, you bump into a mitzvah. What does that mean? Wherever you go, you bump into a mitzvah. Wherever you walk, the mitzvah accompanies you. For example, here he doesn't bring the whole thing. It's a beautiful medrash, so I want to read it. He brings part of it, but let's see the whole medrash. The Medrash says here, oh, um, Kisivne Bayis Chodesh, when you build a new house, you're constructing a house, you should make a fence on your roof, you have a mitzvah. You made yourself a new doorway. You should inscribe it on the doorpost. You have a mitzvah of mezuzah. You're buying new clothing. You have a mitzvah. Do not wear wool and linen together. You're going for a haircut. The mitzvahs are accompanying you. Be careful, don't cut off your pays. You're going to farm. You're going to plant. You're going to plow. Oh, the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs, the mitzvahs walking next to you. Wherever you turn, wherever you go, the mitzvahs are accompanying you. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Now, if you're sowing the field, so now you're going to plant or to sow the field. It says, You're not allowed to plant your field uh, mixture. If you're coming to harvest, the mitzvahs are, are, are again accompanying you. It says if you, that if you, when you're harvesting and you're cutting, so you, if you forgot the bundle, you have to leave it there. So God says, even if you're not doing anything, you're walking on the road. The mitzvahs are still with you. In what sense? This week in the parsha, if you're walking on the road and you encounter a nest of birds, so yeah, you have to shoo away the mother bird and take the children. So you have another mitzvah. So you're, wherever you're walking, wherever you're turning, no matter what you're doing in your life, the mitzvahs are with you, and that's what it means. It is an accompaniment of grace. You have the mitzvahs, wherever you turn and walk, you have another mitzvah, another way of having God with you in this naturally godless existence. You're filled with Hashem everywhere, in every, 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 every turn. So that's what he brings from the Medrash. Uh, okay, now why in the world he's bringing this Medrash now? What does he want from this Medrash? What is this adding to the idea of what he discussed earlier? I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. 
The previous Medrash, I understand, he's bringing that this is a, it, there it's talking about the contradiction that there is in tzitzis, in shotness, that you have the yet and the no together. You're now allowed to wear shotness, but in the Migdash, you're not. And, we, and that it's called chukah. So that idea of chukah he's going to explain in the next piece. But why is he bringing this idea that the mitzvahs are accompanying you all? I don't know yet. Okay. Then he says, Bechaya. You should look in Bechaya, which is, again, Rabbeinu Bachya, which is one of the commentaries on Chumash. Kufayin Gimel Amit Beis, Kufayin Tes Amit Aleph, Kufpei Dalet Amit Beis, Reish Chav Dalet Amit Aleph. He gives you four places in Bechaya to explore uh, and you'll get insight. Now, uh, being that I don't have a Rabbe, I have a Rabbeinu Bachaya, but I don't have a Rabbeinu Bachaya as a safer independently. I have it inside the Chumash, so I don't, I can't look up these pages of Rabbeinu Bachaya what he's referring to. In any case, but he now continues with Rabbeinu Bachaya. So let's see what he brings from the Rabbeinu Bachaya in Perek Gimel. Ha Bachaya Parshas Kedoshim Al Pasuk. Now, one thing is for sure: the Tzemach Tzedek is not just here to be cut and paste and give you a bunch of midrashim. He's, devel- he's developing a, 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 an idea in, in bringing all this together. And if he throws in a, one, a, a source, it's because in somehow that source is adding clarity into the idea that he's developing. So, but again, as I told you earlier, I don't, I didn't get, and maybe Hashem will open up my eyes, Bezus Hashem, in the next short period that we're learning together, that I should be able to figure out how that is part of the puzzle. This idea that wherever you turn, the mitzvahs are with you. And part of that is regarding if you buy garments, do not wear shotness. any case, we'll try to fit that, figure that out later. Let's continue what the Baha'i says. Now he's going to explore in this third piece, what does the Medrash mean when we said about tzitzis, not a tzitzis, we said about this prohibition against mixing of wool and linen, that it's called chukah. The Medrash emphasized very strongly that this is a chukah. A chukah means a decree. So he's going to now, and we say by shotness, it emphasizes decree. So he's going to dig into the concept of chukah regarding shotness. So he brings a Bechaya Parshas Kedoshim, the Bechaya in Parshas Kedoshim, which I told you is the other place where it talks about this mitzvah of not mixing wool and linen. On the Pasuk, my statutes, my decrees, you should observe. And it says over there, Beget Kalayim Shatnis, and a garment that is Kalayim Shatnis, that is a mixture of wool and linen, Lo Yala Alecha should not go upon you. Herech is describing what means Chukah. He's describing what is the meaning of the word Chukah. And he explains like this, He explains that is similar to the idea of the rules of heaven. The decrees of heaven. The Pasuk Chukah, usually when we understand Chukah, what does Chukah mean? A king gives a decree. A decree regarding what? A decree regarding certain behaviors. So it, it, generally, it's, it's only possible to utilize the word decree when we're decreeing 
I would think, regarding human beings who have free choice. So once there is a decree and it says, you know, don't cross the red light. That's a decree. And I have a choice. I can obey or not obey. I can cross or not cross. We're telling me don't cross. The king's decree. That's the rule. Fine. But then you see that the word chukah is also applied to the laws of nature. Because it says, for example, it says, Imloi berisi yomam v'laylaf, not for my um, covenant of day and night, chukas shamayim v'oretz loy samti, the laws, the decrees of heaven and earth I would not have placed. So, what does that mean? The, what does it mean, the decrees of heaven and earth? Heaven and earth, in what sense are they decreed upon? So therefore we have to take the word decree over here and kind of change it. You can say it's enforcing the laws of nature that God set. He's decreeing upon the heavens to act in a certain way. The galaxies, everything is moving in in a perfect uh, synchronization exactly as God set it up. That's the decrees. Nothing changes from its law. Yeah, but that's, you could say so. That's why it's called a decree, but there's more than that. Chukah doesn't only mean a decree. A chukah means, as he explains here, he'll say, I'll see in a minute, simen lamet ches lamet gimel. It says, Hayadaita, do you know chukah shamayim, the chukahs of heaven? Imtasim mishtaray ba'aretz. V'amar azeh, azeh b'medrish rabbe, parshas b'reishas, parshas yud. Amar ripsimen, ripsimen says, do you, oh, so the Medrash says like this, do you know the chukim of Shamayim? Imtasim, if it places mishtaroi, it's, 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 um, it's force, ba'aretz on the earth. It's governorship on the earth. So the Medrash says, so you see from here, that what? That the chukis of heaven have some kind of a mishtar, have some kind of a governorship on earth. So the Medrash says, we see from here, that there isn't a blade of grass that's not down here that doesn't have a ruling force in heaven that rules over it. That's the idea that the chukos shamayim, we'll see soon, again, we'll clarify the word chukah in a minute, but the chukos shamayim have a mishtar, they have, uh, like a mishtar means police, have policing force over our arets over the earth. You don't have any blade of grass that doesn't have a mazel. And what's a mazel? A spiritual force that enforces the, the, the rules and the character and the nature of every herb, of every figure. Shemaka oisai, that beats it, and tells it to grow. Do you know the chukai shamayim? So what does that tell you? So what does the word chukah then mean, according to this? According to what I just said, again, this is quoting all Rabbeinu Bachaya. What is then the meaning of chukim? Here. He brings it over here. V'zeo loshen chukim, he says. This is Rabbeinu B'chayim. Loshen chakika v'tziyor. The word chukim comes from the word chakika. 
What does chakika mean? Engraved. Engraved seer means a certain image. Chukah means the images and the engravements that I set in heaven. What does that mean? There is certain spiritual characters above. Spiritual designs, spiritual characters that there is in the supernal realms above. Which are what? Which are, which is these, these, these different, different uh, angels. Each one with their character. And each one influences earth with, a, with, its own, with its own style. And for that reason you have all these different kinds of plants. And every plant has its own function. And its own, its own qualities and its own remedies that the plants produces. It has its, right, every plant has remedies and various different things, qualities, that's, and, and characteristics. That's based on the spiritual chakikos, these are the, the angels above, spiritual forces that are designed with certain design that imprint down here below. Okay, and therefore the Rabbeinu Bachaya says, And that's why we need to be respectful. And this is something so important in today's day and age. We need to be respectful for the um, for the uh, for the chemistry or the DNA of every of every being that God created. We should not try to manipulate um, the the genetic code that is in any creature and any being. We're not supposed to mess with it. Why? Because, because things are supposed to be what they are. Everything needs to be what it is. God created a perfect harmonious world where everything functions and works. And things down here are synchronized with their spiritual forces up there. Now if we start to mess with the physical characteristics of things... Like we're beginning to change, which we become such big scientists, and we can go into certain things. I'm not talking about when we're trying to heal uh, from illnesses that God wants us. We were given permission to do that. But if we still want to get into certain things and to play around with their, uh, with their DNA, just to, just to see what the outcome is going to be, that's a problem. Why? Because when we're tinkering with certain function, functionalities with something down here, we're messing also up with the system on a cosmic scale up there. And then we're causing disharmony and imbalance in the universe, in the spiritual sources of things, and we're causing a tremendous malfunction in the whole system. And it's very dangerous. And this can be done even when you're taking mixed breed of animals, Taking two animals, you know, they're supposed to be male and female of the same species, are supposed to be uh, mating and having their children. If you're taking um, one species with another species, you're causing some kind of a of a of a misalignment in the sport in the in the spiritual forces. 
from the physical, it's, in, it's influencing the spiritual. That's what Rabbeinu Bachaya says. When you're planting the plants of one with the same as with plants and with animals, one is deriving energy from the other. You're mixing the supernal powers that are bestowing the power of birth, the power of vegetation. As the sages say, There isn't a, a blade of grass down here that doesn't have a mazel. Okay? And he brings that pasuk that I just mentioned. Do you know the chukas? Chukas means the, 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 do you know the, 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 the rule, the DNA of, of, of the powerful spiritual forces that God created in heaven? That these are, and that's what's influencing on earth? That you think you're so arrogant that you can disregard these systems and just mix whatever you want? And this is what he's discussing over here. You're mixing two things which are two ain they're not supposed to be mixed. Things need to be what they are. And by the way, that, that of course applies also to the idea that men need to be men and women need to be women and they should not try to change their gender and things like that. That is very, very, very detrimental to their own health. They think that it's, it's, it's following a thing. It's very detrimental to their own health and, event- and also to the health of all of humanity and creating big, big, big damage in the entire systems that there are. We can't manip- change based on some psychologist or uh, whatever who decided that uh, there's no problem and actually this is actually better for people. So this is just something that, that, that the Torah is very, very, very strong on. So now, going back inside. This is the idea of chukim. The idea of chukim is there is a chakika up there. There is a, 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 a forms, spiritual forms that are set up up there, anikroim, that are called chukai shamayim, they're called the forms, the, 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 the delineations of heaven. Well, that's why by kalayim it says, es chukai dishmoiri, tishmoiri, my decrees, because these are the decrees that God decreed. Decree over here doesn't mean like a decree, like a king's decree, according to Rabbeinu Bachaya. It means the shapes and the forms, as I carved out, the various different supreme sources up there, which later translate into powers down here, don't try to rewire my system. I'm the engineer of this whole system. I don't want any help in the engineering over here for messing this whole project up. Okay, this is the way Rabbeinu Bachaya is, is, is learning the word chukah He's taking the word chukah out from the regular meaning of chukah, meaning just a decree, God's decree, you have to listen, and applying it to the idea of the shapes and forms that are up there. That's the idea of a chukah, the way things are carved out. Do not, don't interfere with it. The Tzemach Tzedek, however, says, the way I see it, Meloshen HaMedrish Rabbah, if you look in the Medrish, the Liel, Siv Beis, Loimash Mekein. By the way, I found in, in the Tzemach Tzedek that he quite, is quite comfortable arguing with Rabbeinu Bachaya, Even though Rabbeinu Bachaya preceded him about six, seven hundred years before him. 
Yet the, um, the Tzemach Tzedek takes on the Rabbeinu Bachayim many times. He, he's always very, very um, basic. He bases so much on Rabbeinu Bachayim. But at, at many times he... he uh, in any case, one time I saw him be very sharp with Rabbeinu Bachayim. He says, Rabbeinu Bachayim should never have said this. But <laughs> It's interesting. In any case, the Vedish tells the base, Loimash Makain. It's not, doesn't apply it. Why? If we're saying that the reason why it's called chukah is because you're messing with the underpinnings of creation, Sharei Bapara Aduma, because the same Medrash that says chukah is found by four places. And one of them is the red heifer. And by the red heifer, you're not mixing two different forces. That's not the chukah of red heifer. It can't apply to the para Aduma, it can't apply this concept of chukah having to do with the shape of some spiritual force up there is not applicable. There it says, This pirush will not, will not fit. So we have to say, That by paraduma, what does chukah mean? It means a decree of God, which means something that you don't understand. And therefore, the same is also would be over here by 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 um by Kalaya, by the shatness. Now, by Zoischukas Torah in Hasidus, we learn on which is talking by the red heifer, we do say that Chuka comes from the word Chakika, engraved. But Engravement over here is not the same meaning, not certain engraved or forms and shapes in the spiritual worlds. But the engravement means it is coming from, it is, it is a mitzvah that is emanating from God's essence, not from Hashem's intellect. There he explains that there is, there is, you know, we know that our Hashem assumes certain powers, like Chachma, Sfirot. So Sfirot, in some way, is considered already like, and it, of course, it's unified with Hashem, but it's still considered as if, like, almost like an addition, like an attachment. So when you say something is a mitzvah is coming from God's logic. So that's like in addition, like a person, like a human's logic is in addition to the person. By Hashem, him and his logic are perfectly one, but it's still considered to a certain degree. When you have a mitzvah that Hashem says, and it doesn't have any logic, it's just because who he is. This is emanating from God's very self. In truth, we say all mitzvahs are really like that. All, all mitzvahs emanate it on a level that's beyond logic, and they only descend into the world of logic. But at their core, it's beyond logic. But there are certain mitzvahs that this idea that they are beyond logic, which in a human being would be like, there are certain things I can explain to you why I like them. And then there's certain things, this is just, you know, I'm a vanilla guy, I'm not a chocolate guy. I'm a chocolate, not a vanilla. Why? I can't explain it. It's just like, it's, it just is. It has to do with my very being. That's the idea. That's called engraved. It, 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 it's, it's something, it's, it's not you, it's, it's, but, but you and it are totally one. Like, 
when you engrave something on a, on a thing, the, the, the letters and the object in which it is engraved are completely one. So there he said, Lashon Chakikah. And that's why it makes sense. Mitzvahs that are decrees, which are what? Beyond the intellect, means they just are of the essence of God. And we're supposed to also do them not out of reason. We're supposed to do them because with simple obedience. And it's also supposed to touch us in a place that these mitzvahs are engraved in us. Okay. So over there it uses, you see the word chukah is associated with chakika, engraved. Now, in Rabbeinu Bachaya himself, elsewhere in Rabbeinu Bachaya, in the beginning of Parshas Chukas, which again, that's the Parsha dealing with Chukas, there he says there is three meanings in the word Chukas. Ha'echod, number one, is, is, is the preferable Pirush that the Tzemach Tzedek likes over here. It means a decree of God. In other words, even though in Parshas Kedoshim, the Rabbeinu Bachaya is pushing the Pirush of Chukah, meaning a shape and a form that there is in, in, in the shape, the, the, the various different shapes and forms of the spiritual worlds. That's the idea of Chukah. And the Tzemach Tzedek disagrees with him. And the Tzemach Tzedek says that the main idea of Chukah is a decree of God that's beyond reason. In Parshas Chukas, when he's speaking about Paraduma, Rabbeinu B'chaya himself gives you three interpretations on the word Chukah. First of them being what? Chukah means a decree of the king that you can't understand. It's a decree. In, in something that its reason is not known to, because if it, the reason is known, it's called a law. That's called in Hebrew mishpat. Mishpat, a law, a law that is, we can, everybody understands why the king uh, issued this thing, it makes sense. But when he gives a kind of a, a decree and, and without uh, a, a valid explanation for it, people still have to listen. Uke'inyin, and there he says, shtoik, kach Allah It's We find that God sometimes. Um, uh, relates to us in a manner where he doesn't want us to try to figure it out. We find when Rabbi Akiva was complaining at, about, not Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva's students were complaining, or the angels, I'm sorry, Rabbi, 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 the, the angels were complaining about how Rabbi Akiva was being treated. It says, God yelled at them, be quiet, this, is the, this has arose in my thought. I mean, this is what I want, and, I'm, and, 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 and there's no explanations. Okay. Okay. These he brings a bunch of sources where this idea is discussed. This is what the sages say. Now, this idea, the first pirush of the tem, of the of the Rabbeinu Bachaya and the word choik. Chayk meaning a decree that we don't have an explanation to, is what the sages say regarding Paraduma. Omar Shlomo, Shlomo, who is the wisest of all men, what does King Solomon say? 
Echkema, I tried to crack the code of the red heifer, of the paraduma. It's distant from me. This is one that I couldn't figure out. This is beyond my understanding. So that's the first Pirish. So you see, paraduma, it's higher than anybody's uh, knowledge, even King Solomon. Abay is the second Pirush, Loshen Chakika. Chakika means engraved. So that's the Rebbeinu Bechaya says, the second meaning of the word Chaik is Chakika, which means engraved. Yermoiz ledover achakuk umitsuyar lamayla. Oh, so this fits with what, this is now in the second Pirush, he's relating to the same Pirush that he said in Parshas Kedoshim, that the word Chaik comes from the word something that is like shaped up there in heaven. Where we explain this idea, it's similar to the concept of Chakika, which we said earlier means an engravement. Hagimel, and then the third one. Chuka also means. Chuka means engraved. Chuka also means from boundaries. Kamoi, Ashesamti Choil Gvul Liam. God says, I put the sand as a border to the sea. Choik Oilam, an eternal law, an eternal decree. Well, what does that mean? That he made a border. Loya vireno, they're not allowed to cross. Or another pasuk. Chukas yerech v'chaychavim. The chukah of the moon and the, star, and the stars, lo'or layla, to, 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 to light by night. Be'yermiyo simen lamed aleph. This is in Jeremiah, and yermiyo simen lamed aleph. What does that mean? Boundaries. That there should be limitations and boundaries to day and night. Similar to this we find in Parshas Korach, the Medrash says. It's a little hard. I mean, this last pirush is very close to the previous pirush. Previous pirush means engraved. This pirush means boundaries. But it's different. Because an engravement is... We'll see that all boundaries come from, from an internal engravement. But two different things. Okay. This pirush we find Parshas Kairach. This is where Tavarachar, it says, Omalea Moshe. Moshe said to, to, to Korach, when Korach tried to mess with the boundaries that God set, what was the boundaries that God set? Hashem set the boundaries that there is only one Kohen Gadol, one high priest, and then one particular family of priests, and then, the, and then there are the Levites, the Levium, and then there is the, the Israelim, the rest of the Jewish people. And Korach wanted to mess with that because Korach wanted to argue that everybody can be a Kohen. God set boundaries in the world. 
Moshe asked them, can you mix, if you decided to, to mix up day and night, can you do that? So too Moshe says, God separated the Jewish people from the Gentiles. The Kahivdil Aaron and God separated the Kohanim, Aaron's family, from the rest of the Jewish people with an absolute separation that, that cannot be breached. It can't be broken. Just like there is separation between day and night. So similar to this is also said about what? The mixture. Just like Korach wanted to create a mixture amongst the Jewish people. Mix it all together. Everybody's the same. This is the idea. This is the corrupt idea of equality that is so, so messing up today's young people and societies. Equality means when everybody, the real meaning of equality is everybody is given equal free choice from God to fulfill the role that they were given to play based on the divine purpose and, um, and design that God designed them to play in this world. The notion of equality, that everything is the same, is destroying creation. Things are not the same. Everything is unique and different. If it's all the same, then why do we need multiple? It's because you are unique and you are the only one who has that talents and that, and that's why you need to contribute what you should and could contribute. And every single creature has to be who they are. The point is you have to be yourself. You can't try to be someone other than yourself. If you try to be someone else, you've destroyed yourself and you destroyed all of creation. Can't do that. And that goes to all boundaries. And that's why, Be'ir of the Kalayim, if you're trying to mix the different species together, even more it can be, it can be compared to the separation that God separated the Jewish people from, from, from the Gentile. A Gentile is, has a purpose and a mission as a Gentile and needs to serve Hashem as a Gentile, fulfilling their role in this world. And the Jew has a different role. And this, and this is what the sages have also said, and that's why the sages say, that a Jew who has relationships with a Gentile woman, is transgressing in addition to the transgressing of the prohibition of the Gentile woman, also on this that it says, do not plant your vineyard a mixture. The vineyard, are the, the Jewish nation is called God's vineyard. If he's, if he's now bringing in this Gentile woman and taking a vine seed, he's having relations with her, so he's planting a seed of the vine into what is not supposed to be part of the vineyard. That's the, that's the mixture. You can't mix. Everything has its place. And that, according to this, we can understand the meaning of the word chukais, which applies to kalayim, to the mixture 
of wool and linen and all these mixtures. Why? Because over here we are breaking the boundaries that God had set. These are the boundaries that God has set in His world. Not to mix. Oh, what did we say now? Just like there are certain divisions that Hashem made, and we said Jew and non-Jew. So going back to what we said about shotness to the beginning all the way to the beginning of tonight's class. We spoke that the wool represents holy, and that's why Hevel brought wool, and Cain, which is the source of the unholy, brought linen. And just like Jew and non-Jew are not allowed to intermarry one with each other, and that's, a, that's not a good mixture. In other words, what he's trying to say, what he's emphasizing is like this, this is what he's saying. It's not just an unhealthy shidduch from two species, like mixing day and night. Day isn't holier than night, night isn't holier than day. Milk and meat, there isn't a mixture over here of holy and unholy. It's two different things, but not holy and unholy. That's chukim. But he says, then there are certain things which are considered already like a violation of the boundaries of holiness. Jew and Gentiles is a certain mixture that just, it's not just two different species, it's also, it's deeper than that. It's the entire realm, one realm can't mix with the other realm, the holy and the unholy in this sense. The not yet holy, let's say. Then, oh, so Kalayim, the wool and linen, is not just a mixture of species, but also is related to the mixture of, of holy and unholy. As he says, which is the wool, which its spiritual source, its origins, its divine source, where it says that God's, the hair of his head is like clean wool. So this is a very, very, very sublime level of, 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 of holiness. Im sitra achra, to mix it with the other side, shu pishtan, which is the flax, the kayin, which is related to the world of Cain, of Cain. Okay. But now the Tzemach Tzedek says, okay, so we have now a pirush, in chukim, that chukim means boundaries. And when it says chukah by, by um, shatness, it says chukah. We can understand because you're mixing the boundaries. But now the Tzemach Tzedek wants to tie it in with the other two pirushim in the word chukah. Chukah also means engraved. And chukah also means a decree beyond reason. So how are we now going to connect the two other two into the same, into the mix? How do we bring them into the mix? Because we know whenever we have different pirushim on one word or on one concept, it means that they're related. They're not just randomly three different pirushim. They all fit with each other. Each one complements the other. So we have to say they're all together. So we need a more oir oir oiz gimel sif 
in Mo'ira Or, which is a Kabbalistic Sefer, in Oiz Gimel Sefei, he says, when he talks about the concept of Gvul, Gvul means boundaries, he says, what's the source of boundaries? The source of boundaries is the source of, of Dinim. Din. Din, judgment. Judgment sets borders and boundaries. Chesed flows. It, it defies borders. It, it's the energy of kindness. It kind of diffuses everywhere. The, 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 the setting of borders this comes from discipline. So gvul comes mitzad adinim, comes from the side of judgment. Hanoisnim kav hamida, that sets, sets a mida, a measurement for everything. Ugvul l'chol davar, it sets a measure. Now we're coming back to this concept continuously, continuously in the last few classes. What's the origins of what sets borders and boundaries in the infinite energy of God? The dark lamp. We keep on coming back to the dark lamp, to the boitzina de kardenusa. The dark lamp is the power of tzimtzum that there is in the infinite light of chesed, of keser. In keser, there is the power, gevura da'atik. It's the power of restraint that there is in the ancient of days. Where in the ancient of days, there is no left. It's all... It's all the inner light, the continents of the king of life. There is no judgment. And yet within there, there is the, 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 the idea of gvura da'atik, the power of gvura, the power of restraining in that place. Boitzina the Karadenusa, the dark lamp, which is the root of what's called kav umida, the measuring stick, the ruler that sets a measure in all of existence. Vishar Shoy and its root, Megvura is It's called first, it's called on a lower level, it's called the dark lamp. Higher than that, it's called Gvurais of Atik Yoimin. Shabamoyachstima, that is in the in Chachma, in the concealed Chachma, which as we discussed last week is called the power of Din. Last week we learned that the power of Chachma is where Din starts two weeks ago in the Maim of Achobanayach. Mamude Hashem, we were learning over there that. That bias, that malchus needs to have dinim, needs to have judgments, or else the klipas would, would completely eat her up. And she needs to receive it from chachma, because the power of discrimination, of where to give and where not to give, originates there, sets borders. Also in the middle of Rebbe's Mimer that we learned a few weeks ago, he's talking about that there is an end and expiration date for darkness, it has to end because Hashem set limits. So this is all related to boundaries. This is the root of Gevura. So now it will make sense. Why? The boundaries that there are in everything between day and night, the boundaries that there are in each species that there is, the boundaries there is between the holy and the unholy, in holiness itself, the boundaries that there are between the Jewish people and the Kohanim, and so on and so forth, all these boundaries that Hashem sets, 
From the internal engravement that Hashem engraved in Atik Yomen, Hashem set a certain image, He set a certain self-restraint, if you can call it, which has, and that's the idea of, so the, the, the boundaries that there are later in creation are related to the, to this, Internal engravement, the Hainuayadekavamida, which is this measure measure Moyachstima Shesham Gamkein. Now that level is also a level that brings us to the third Pirush. That level is also the level of that utterly transcends intelligence. Because where is this Baitsina de Kadrinus? Where is this dark lamp? The dark lamp is not in the conscious mind. The dark lamp is in the pre-conscious intellect, in the moyach in the intellect as it's still in potential. What does that mean? When you're studying any subject and you're, 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 you have a flash of insight and it, you're, 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 there is a... a um, an epiphany, an idea, a new concept. Every idea and every concept comes already pre, pre-imprinted in it the boundaries. Because without boundaries, let's say you have an idea and you don't have a preset limitation in that idea you want to run with it, and you want to resolve every problem in the universe with this one concept. You're gonna, it's going to become so untrue and unreal. There's, it's like, it, it, like, it's, like it's, it's, a, it's an intrinsic border to, the const, to, to this innovation that you innovated that, that it stays within certain parameters. And it's not applicable everywhere and in everything and to every... Sometimes there are people who are lacking that a little bit. And they want to apply whatever it is to everything and everywhere in all all, all situations. And it doesn't work. So there has to be a pre. Now, but where does that come from? The conscious mind, the power of of revelation of, of, of ideas doesn't set that border. It's the pre-intellect that spits out a concept and already imposes on it a, a, a um, how would I call it, a, uh, a border, a boundary. Um, in other words, it's not a rational thing. In other words, you can't, it, it's, it's from the pre-rational mind that has, that has, that has, it's not a sophisticated process in our thinking that we set the border to the, to the energy. It's a, it's a, it's, it's related to the pre, pre-intellect. And ultimately when you, when you draw it all back to God, from where it, it's, it's, it's because so he decides, not, not because there is reasons why this has to be shaped that way and this has to be shaped that way. So ultimately what that really means, 
the reason you play this particular role within the creation doesn't have to have a rational reason and an explanation. In other words, it's just this, just, this is the way it is. What, to, to start hype, uh, hypothesizing why it is that I was giving this role and why it is that, 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 that is ridiculous because it's not based on any rational necessary this, it's just so it was decreed. That, th- that this is who you are, and this is who you are, and so on and so forth. And this is, the, this is the way it is. These are the borders and these are the boundaries. From that place that's completely beyond reason, that sets the border. So you now is where you have all three Purushim coming together. You have the decree, you have the shape, you have the engravement, and you have the borders and the boundaries. Because the, all three are are intrinsically tied up together. That's why, for instance, even in Yiddishkeit, we say that the particular mission that you have and that particular challenge, and usually, how do you know what, what is your mission? What you find in your life to be the hardest. You find for whatever, you can't even explain why you have so much challenge in one particular aspect of your life. You know that's your tikkun, your, 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 your work that you need to work at. And if you want to know why it is, it says that this is called goyralenu, it's a goral. Alter Rebbe says that your particular mitzvah, that you shine more than anything else, it's your business in this world more than anything else, it's called goral. Goral means a lottery. And just like a lottery doesn't have an explanation why it fell out that this person won or this person, it has nothing to do with any, it so is the lot. So the Alter Rebbe says when we say Goralenu, our lot means our particular function that we play within the universe is not, you can't figure that out with a rational reason why it has to be that way. And therefore, we just accept ourselves and our role and be very happy about it because nothing we can think of and it, uh, on this level it says it's far from from revealed explanations it's not like Chachma already in the world of Atzilus which is already revealed Chachma which means when the Chachma is already becoming understood over there it opens up that level of Chachman you can have an opening in. Lalamed Beishvilin, it opens up into 32 pathways of understanding. This is a level of Chachman that remains stuma, it remains closed. It's not revealed why it is this way. This last piece that he adds over here, again, I don't know what, he, what he's bringing from this. This is the supernal father and mother. Ah, maybe what it means, supernal father and mother, is not Abba ve'ima. It's not Chachma and Bina of Atzilus. It's the Chachma and Bina that are higher while they're still in Keser. Maybe, again, I'm scared to say things on my own, but maybe that's what he's trying to bring from Mo'ere Or, that, that the idea of Chachma is not Chachma and Bina as they are already manifest, it's the pre-chachma and bina, as they are, that's why they're called ilo'in, when they're higher, ha-choykekin they're the ones that put the shape of shamayim, za is called shamayim, 
They, they, they lay the, the, the boundaries of things. They make it into a keli. Yesoid is called chok, the male power of chok, and the and malchus is called chuka. She becomes engraved al yedei yesoid, but all through the power of the pre chachma and bina, when it's still in keser, as we said before, it's not logical, it's not rational. We don't understand it. Okay, but this is this is very very important stuff. The idea of the the appreciation. That who we are and what we are is not r- rational and logical, um, and the same is with all the individual settings and 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 and, and um, designs and and boundaries that there is to all creatures and all beings. One thing we are told that it's not healthy and it's not good and it doesn't it's not beneficial for anybody to try to manipulate and mess that up because that's uh, uh, detrimental to, to it, it, cre- it creates probably such heartache and such d- deep unsettledness that's the idea it's unsettledness when you're not true of who you are and you can't, you can't change this who you're going to be was decided before you existed By the Creator who designed you, so we're not partners in that. We're partners in making once we who are who we are. One thing he can't do is the actual production. That's what we need to produce. He created the machinery to produce. And it, when a machinery is produced, each part of them, each peg and each wheel has to play its function. We're given free choice to play our role or not to play our role. But we have a role to play. And that role can't be changed. That's the thing. We can't decide our role. Our role has been pre-decided. We can decide how much we will utilize our, our gifts that we were given to actualize that role. That's it. Doing anything else is wasting a lot of time. Kitzer. Chukoisai means that Shehem HaMazolois, which are the Mazolois. Chukoisamayim Loshin Gavulois, which are, and what, what are the Mazolois? Why are they called Chuk the Mazolois? Because they are, they are the underlying Gavulois that there are, which are the boundaries. This is the boundary of Yisrael and the boundary of Kahanam Lagaba Leviim and compared to the Leviim. Kamoi boiker Lagaba Erev, like morning to evening. Kahi Efshola Arvev, so too we can't mix. Beis Kochos the Tzemer Upishten. Now you can't mix wool and linen. Shem Chenas Hevel Upchenas Kayin. They're Hevel and Kayin. Upchenas Gvulois Elo, and these boundaries, Nimshachem Mekava Mida. Where do they derive from? From that measuring, a measure that measured out everything, the nature and the energy and the style of every being was all through that restraining power that there is in, in the Orient Sof. 
Hanikra Mechokek, which that's called the Mechokek power. It is what? Kichokli Yisrolhu, Chokike Yisrolhu. Okay. Ubir Oid Habachaya. Now, here's an amazing thing. This is where everything lies in the next piece. The years where you see the attempt of Klippa right before Mashiach comes. What's Mashiach? Mashiach is a time of peace and harmony. When the enti- finally, for the first time in all of existence, all of creation will be at peace with each other. Everything will function perfectly. There will be completely peace in the world. So Rabbeinu Bahaya says, peace will only, will only be achieved when every being accepts themselves and their role that they need. When we try to dis, to create peace in another way, and that is by removing borders and boundaries, on every level of existence, by removing borders and boundaries and creating mush for, 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 for peace's sake, you're not making peace, you're making war. And this is the attempt that, it, that the Kalipa does before Mashiach comes. In the name of, in the name of uh, progressiveness. Let's make peace by making everybody be one. Taking away the boundaries and the borders. Now, that, that's not, that causes terrible, because when you mush things down here, you're causing deep energies that are, that are not meant to go together, to, to, to merge together and rub on each other and create big hurricanes and who knows what. It messes up everything. It's, 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 not, it's, it's, it's dangerous to, to the environment. It's dangerous to, to, to mankind. It's dangerous to human. It's dangerous to everything. It's, it's, it's an entire disruption. Nations need to be nations. Everybody needs to get along with each other. We need to respect each other. There can't be a sense that my role is bigger than your role or I'm more important than you. Every creature is... But everybody has to be who they are and play their role. The mixing, the marriages that are not meant to be married with each other destroys the world. That's what it is. And these unions... This, this whole, and that's the danger of this whole philosophy. And that's why Rabbeinu Bachai explains, You know what the sages say, Even the supernal ones need peace. Shanemar, as it says, He makes peace up there. What's the conflict up there? Because there is the energies of kindness, there's the energies of gavur, of discipline. Each one has its function. And Kalayim causes the opposite of peace. You're thinking you're making peace. You want to bring along, you want to create, you want to bring together the, you know, the cow and the donkey. You're thinking you're making peace. Why shouldn't they all be the same? doesn't work that way. You're mixing them. They work better when everybody does their function as part of one greater whole. Of course it's peace. 
pieces when you're all, you're all, we're all playing our role. A symphony is created from different sounds. Right? There you go. And therefore, he says, that's interesting. The other word for shotness, which applies, shotness is only in clothing, but the other word for this mixture, which applies to all mixtures, is kalayim. Is the word kalayim. Kalayim means a mixture. So he says the root of the word kalayim means making something dysfunctional. Kele. Kela means imprisonment. You're imprisoning the forces because you're actually nullifying the power of something. Lashen bitl hakoiches. You're destroying women. You're destroying the powerful power of feminine, fem, femininity if you try to make women men. And it's being destroyed. They're becoming, they're just not healthy for it. When men try to be women, it destroys men. It destroys that whole power. And it, it, it's... He said, that's what he says. It's... And the Tzemach Tzedek adds. He says, this is what the, this is what the Rabbeinu Bachaya says. And according to the way I, I see it, he says, Kalayim comes from the word... Oh, and the Rabbeinu Bachaya explains, just like when a person is in jail... He can't utilize his powers. He's being restricted. He has powers. He can't, can't actualize it. F Shaloyma, so the Tzemach is adding that Kela means also something else. So Kela is like when when you're mixing these two together and you're taking holiness and you're drawing into the unholy. This is, this, this is like taking, this is, this is like putting the holy in, into the prison. Zeo Beisa Kela. This is imprisoning holiness. Kele is a close word to kala. Kele is with an aleph and kala is with a hey. Kala means unity. So you want to draw down holiness into the shekhinah, into the kala, into the, into the right, into the right vessel, into the right container. That's spoken in Shirashirim in the Song of Songs. An example of a union which would have been not a union where the recipient, see, in, in a marriage, the, re- the recipient completes you. Your wife, your, is, is, is you're, you're, in a sense, you're being drawn into a keli, into a vessel. The woman is the vessel. But you're not imprisoned in that vessel. Marriage is not a, when you're getting married, you're not becoming a prisoner. Quite on the contrary. Your spouse is going is gonna to help you tap your powers. She's going to bring you out. She's going to completely re, re, de, de, develop, open you up. But then there are certain relationships. If someone, is go, if someone is getting caught, then sometimes, you know, we get messed up. We get caught into a relationship and we get with, with and, 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 and if it's not a healthy relationship, you get caught, you get stuck. And literally you're a prisoner in that relationship. So for example, like that, Yosef is the power of holiness. The wife of Potiphar, who took a liking to him, she was thinking that this is a perfect match of energies. Here you got a good. 
But had he had relations to her, with her, he would end up in prison. He actually, even just, even by her wanting to, got him into prison, then he got out. But that, that, that's a prison, like it says. al as he says. She says, um, it says that she wanted him, lishkav etzla, that he should lie down next to her. Li'ais ima, he should be with her. So the sages say that if he would lie down with her physically here, then he would be he would remain he would be with her when in the future world. But being with her in the future world and the world to come would not be a bracha for him. This wouldn't be a blessing for him. This would be the biggest curse because he would be stuck in a prison in the world to come forever and ever. Uh, he would be tied. The sages say that a sin, a person has, especially talks about sexual sins, a relationship and a forbidden thing, that klipa remains attached to the person thinks it's over. I'm done. I had my relationship. I'm gone. I left. doesn't work that way. That klipa remains attached like a, like a leech. It leeches onto the person's soul and it remains eternally attached unless the person unattaches it through tshuva. The repentance of tshuva unleashes, but on its own, it will latch itself on even though the person has no idea to, to, his, to his soul or to her soul forever. So you need to do the tshuva to, to, to undo that. So you see there's two types of recipients. There's a recipient that that is your, your home, your, your container, your vessel. That's kala. And if it's not the right one, if it's not meant to be a match, then instead of kala, it becomes kele. It becomes a prison. So now we're saying that's the idea of kelayim. You're causing an energy to get imprisoned somewhere instead of it being in the right vessel for it. He's talking about um, the, the, the Malchus, the Mizbeach, the vineyard, uh, which in Hasidus it explains it all to be the, the feminine recipient of godliness. And that's why the Kalayim is forbidden to us. This is not a good attachment. This is not a good marriage. It's not a good attachment. Chazal said something else similar to this. Even within the Jewish people itself, certain matches don't go. The daughter of a scholar should not marry an, an ignorant person. The sages say if a, a scholar takes his daughter and gives her to an ignorant person, their marriage will not be well. That's also an unhealthy mix. And someone that causes that this shidduch should not go. Someone who, 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 uh, who says, nah, not exactly the right match. Actually causes peace in the world. Like the Rebbe always says, I give an example. So many times when... when um, when you know people would ask the Rebbe, 
regarding you know the, a man, someone is in love, he's in love with a, with a Gentile woman, or a, or a Jewish girl is in, in love with a Gentile man. So the Rebbe would always say to explain to them that um, this is harmful. It's harmful for both of them, and that this is very very not good, and they won't have a happy marriage in the end. They might be happy at the beginning. And you should do whatever you can to break up. The Rebbe sometimes did drastic things <laughs> to break up such, such things. And you think, come on, is this a man of peace? This is like the ultimate, yeah, you're destroying love. Love is the most beautiful thing. No, it's a love that's going to lead one to hell. I don't mean hell in the afterlife. I mean hellish existence over here. Because it's not meant to go together. You're mixing things that don't belong mixed together. They just don't belong. It doesn't work. So that's what it says. Sometimes separating is, is, the, is the way of bringing peace, not bringing together. And someone who's bringing them together is, 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 causing, is causing the opposite of peace. Because he's destroying the supernal boundaries. And he causes, he's causing the maidservant, which is the klipa, to become the mistress over the shechina, over the forces of holiness. And becomes the forces of klipa become dominated over the forces, and they become trapped. And as and again, this and this leads to just really, really bad stuff. Shechiburze ain't zivuklal. It's not a zivug; it's a prison. Okay. Now the rest of the mime is going. Oh, if so, why does it? Why is tzitzis? Okay. So when I take a look at the whole world of klipa today, and, and people bring up this whole question, this and that. I believe that this applies also to the borders that there has to be between nations. Dismantling of borders and saying that there's no border is a death sentence to, the na- to any nation. It's a death sentence to the entire civilization. Nations need to exist as nations, appreciate each other, help each other out, help each other's economies, build each other's up, figure out how to, how to be of assistance, but the nations need to be their nations. This whole removing of borders, taking everything down, and let every, and it's out of what? Empathy. Feeling bad. I feel so... This. Of course, a country needs to... There, there is a process. People need to come in. America's always been a country that allows people... There is borders, and then there is a system in. And that system in has to be a healthy system that allows for those who need to come and could come and so on and so forth to be, to be, to be assimilated and to move into it. The removal of borders, that's why you find across the board that those that are advocating for Klippa ideas, are for, it, 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 it's advocating and everywhere, and they turn into a monster Shainkamaya for them. Well, it's not true. You see it over here. He's saying that what, 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 the, the separation and the boundaries brings peace. 
and the and and the and the other and and the and the removing of borders. And again, it's all across the board: removing the borders between men and women, removing the the, the borders between animals and people, between uh, every kind of border that you try to remove. And then the borders between 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 Jew and non-Jew, and between all this re, all this. Is, is, it goes back to the war of Korach. It goes back, and it doesn't lead to peace. It leads to the opposite. It leads to eventually to a lot more heartache, pain, and suffering for all of humanity. And because the world feels Mashiach is coming, which is the ultimate harmony and peace in the world, the Kalipa that comes before this tries to create peace in the non-holy way which is making everything the same. That doesn't work. If that's the case. So why is Kalayim permissible in Kohanim, And also in the garments of Kohanim. At the time of work. So the Rabbeinu Bachaya says, he's continuing with Rabbeinu Bachaya. Because all the powers that are different than each other, kulam klilim In tzitzis, they're all absorbed. Lavan and tcheles, white and tcheles. For example, lavan is white, is chesed. Tcheles, blue, is the color of din, of judgment. They say the word tcheles comes from the word Tichla um, to 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 uh, to dis- to uh, ex- to destroy. To, uh, it's a power of so blue and tchel is the power of din and chesed. In the tzitzis, they're both together. The tchelas and the lava, they're tied together. Even though one is chesed and one is gevura, how does that work? Ah, so because in tzitzis you see that the white and the blue, which is chesed and gevura, they're together. So that's why tzitzis can also handle the wool and the linen being together. Why is that? Because ultimately, ultimately, if you trace everything back to, back to God, all the opposites are completely, are all one. In its origins of origins, everything is one. When they emerge outward, each one needs to be in its place. Once they come into kalim and into vessels, each one needs to function in its own thing. Mixing them then is creating havoc and destruction. But in its inner, inner, inner source and core, over there it's all one. Therefore, in the in tzitzis, which is a much deeper state, because it's it's a mitzvah, it's, over there it could be unified, or in the base of English. As he says, the And Darsha, it demands Tzemeru Pishtim. Oh, no, it actually says, oh, there's a Pasuk that says this. He's a Gavaldiga from Eshes Chayel. Think about this. In, in, in Eshes Chayel, in the, in, the, in the piece that we say Friday night, the woman of valor, we say like this. Darsha, she seeks out Tzemeru Pishtim, wool and linen. Darsha Tzemeru Pishtim, Vatas pechefets, Vatas she she makes pechefets with her desire, kapel with her hands. So the way the Rabbeinu Bachaya reads this pasuk, 
is referring to the Shekhinah, and she's God's power of kingship. Darsha, she seeks out anybody that violates this rule of mixing wool and linen. And she punishes them. Darsha, she seeks out, the supernal Shekhinah, seeks out anybody who mixes wool and linen together, and, and, it, and God forbid, it brings punishment upon them. But Vatas, Bechefetz, for her Chefetz, for her desire, Kapel, she makes it with her own hands, that sitzes. She mixes the wool and linen together. What she punishes for, she creates it herself. What does that mean? In the mitzvah, the wool and the linen is comes together. But in general, outside of the mitzvah, uh, you get a violation for that. You get a ticket. The imkulam klulam b'mitzvah sitzis. So then, the 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 the, the Rabbeinu Bachai says, if all of them are included in sitzis, ain't sarach loyma b'shas migdash in the in the temple. B'shas avodah at the time of the service. Shakola koychos klulam sham over there. Every all of all these dis all these um, uh, individualized outer projected powers that are differentiated when they, emer- when they go out, but in the Beis Amigdash, they're all sucked in back to their source. And over there, they're what? Because all the Nyanam of the Beis Amigdash down here, are parallel to the Beis Amigdash. This is the general idea that, the, that Rabbeinu Bachaya says. Habachaya. But the Tzemach Tzedek is asking, I don't understand it. He says, this is not to be understood. If we're saying that linen is sitra achra, is the other side, it's from the side of the unholy, because that's why it's sitra achra dekayin, it comes from the side of Cain. Up there, they're together. Up there, good, good and evil are mixed. Good and evil can't be mixed. How can they be unified up there with holiness? We can say, the last page, it's similar, that in the supernal chariot, you have a very powerful creature that represents the highest levels of holiness. Who is that? The lion. The lion is in the chariot. And over there, the lion represents a greater holiness than any of the other beasts that are in the, in the chariot, maybe besides the human. The lion is like the highest level. But, when, but the interesting thing is that when the lion finds his way into our physical universe, it's considered a non-kosher animal. And we know, and we learn in Chassidus that all non-kosher animals derive from the lowest form of klipa, the three impure klipa. But hold it, isn't it just a manifestation of that lion? It should be a, a powerful beast of holiness. And more than that, the ox is a kosher animal. The ox is also in the chariot. And we know that in the chariot, the lion is much holier and closer to God than the ox is in the chariot. This is on the right side and the left side. And the right is always stronger. Each one includes the others, but still, 
The lion element is the strongest element from all the others in terms of its holiness. But and how can it be that the lion down here is klipa? And the ox down here is, 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 is not kedusha, but it's, a le- it's klipa snoga, and we can elevate it. We can put it in the chalant. You can't put lion's meat in the chalant, even though it's probably not a good idea, but uh, couldn't do that. It's not kosher. The face of the eagle. Same thing with the eagle. The eagle is a non-kosher bird. It's a predatory bird. It's not kosher. And up there, it's very holy. Down here, it's a non-kosher bird. And we know up there, the concept of eagle is very, very holy. As it says, God says, I carried you on the wings of eagles. And we know that what does it represent? The eagle represents the supernal level. Shechina. In Shechina itself, there's the lower Shechina and the higher Shechina. Malchus is the lower Shechina and Bina is the higher Shechina. And the eagle represents Bina. Bina. The dove is the lower Shechina. And the eagle is the higher Shechina. Yet we know that a dove is what? Even though it's some far inferior level of holiness, a dove is a kosher animal. We can offer it as carbon. And, a, and, a, uh, and an eagle is not a kosher. The face of the lion is higher than the ox. Ella, because when they come down, they flip. It turns when it comes down into this world, it gets flipped over the other way. This happens. This is the impact of the shattering of the vessels. Because the lion is very high, because it's such intense godly energy. It's too intense, and the sh- and the vessel shatters. It doesn't have a vessel to come down. to come down in a kosher animal. In other words, the way the energy comes down is through a shvira takelim, through a shattering, and it translates down here into a just like we say the same thing about Esav. He's such powerful holiness up there in his source. As he translates down here, he becomes such a bulvan, he becomes such a, a beast, a monster. Or another example. Torah and mitzvahs, because they're so high, they come down only in a physical garment. But if you try to access these energies in a, through a spiritual means, you can't access them. If someone wants to strip away the physical observance from mitzvahs and just tune into their energies and try to, through spiritual exercises, capture the, the tefillin, cap, impossible. When you're doing a physical act, which is so much lower, you could you capture the essence of the tefillin. You capture the essence. Why? Same idea. Everything that's very high comes down in a lower form. So because Torah and Mitzvah is so personal and so intense and so intensely holy, it translates down here. It can only come down in a coarser vessel and you can grab it. In a more refined vessel, you can't take it. Spiritually, you can't reach them. I'm Oh, so now take a look. Let's take a look at linen. Linen, we were giving it a bad rep, linen. We're saying linen is what? From the side of Cain. 
the side of Kayan, it's the side of unholiness. He says, no, linen in its source is very high. It's actually higher than the source of wool. Wool, he says, he says, wool is God's hair. He says, Sarah is here. Is wool, white wool. Well, Hashem's scalp, which is higher than the hair, the scalp itself, which is higher than, it's the whiteness beneath the hair. That's the linen. And it's infinitely higher than the hair. It's very high. Where do we see that linen is so high? Who dresses himself in linen? The Kohen Gadol, the high priest, when he goes into the holy of holies, he wears linen and clothing. Not wool. And it says, Bad Kodesh, holy linen. So linen is so holy. The Efsher, and it's possible, it's even higher than wool. Because the, the, the wool is rooted in God's hair. The Habad and the linen, yes, we can say, Shoshoi, its root may etsem loyven elyum from the essence of the supernal whiteness. Shalomayla nabchenesiris, it's higher than the white hair. Here is just an expression of that whiteness. This is small extensions of it. Kemoylav nunis de gelgalta, it's like the whiteness of the scalp, of the skull. Kadein kamsa de levushem and it's like the snail that's garment is one with it. So the whiteness of the linen is totally... This is considered the, the uh, dressed in linen. This is the type of... It's, not, it's a garment, but it's one with the source, mamish. And similar to that, We also speak about this all the time in Hasidus, that a prohibitive commandment is higher, takes us to a deeper connection to God than a positive commandment. Even though it's involving dark things, keeping away from dark things. But you can't connect to such a level of holiness unless you encounter a dark thing that you reject. Why? Because dafka, the lower things, are... are, are Somehow rooted and connected. Oh, another proof. He wants to prove that the losa says that the that the that the badim, the the linen is higher than the tzemer, than the wool. He says positive commandments are rooted in God's hair. Sareshe all mitzvahs. That's why tzitzis, which is like here. It re- reminds you of all the mitzvahs. Because all mitzvahs are rooted in, in Hashem's hair. But the losa says, the prohibitive commandments, that are related to the linen. That's the way it works. But when the linen finds its way down here, not in the temple, when, the, when you find linen anywhere else around the world, it's related to klipa. Now, you, there's no, now by the way, there's no prohibition of wearing linen. You can wear linen from today till tomorrow. You're not doing anything wrong. It's only mixing it with the wool that, that's when you're causing the problem. When it comes down here and shattering the vessels, 
this powerful power of linen, which is so high, became enclosed in Cain's world. Valderech, example similar to Sheyesh Loivena Elyon de Kedusha, there's the supernal level of Lavan, who's a supernal whiteness. Is the ancient of days, and how does he appear in this world? As love on Harami, the wicked love on. <laughs> that's, what he, that's the thing. Anything from such a high place falls down. The Yesh love on Harami, and there's love on Yaakov's father in law. He's the, he's, the, he's the biggest cheat and the biggest con artist. Love on the Klippa. In some crazy way, when very high things make their way down here, they fall down in a very corrupted way. Yeah, love on is rooted in the supernal whiteness. That's why he has daughters like Leah Rachel. <laughs> All right? That's why it really says in Kizvi Arizal that even Cain, Cain is really higher than his brother Hevel. So the Arizal says that Cain and his source is really higher than his brother Hevel, even though Hevel is the Tzaddik and Cain is the Russia, the wicked one. Similar to Esav, comes from the world of chaos, which comes from a higher world of Tikkun of Yaakov. The same idea like the lion and the ox. And therefore... Linen as it's down here is problematic, but when you bring it into the mitzvah and tzitzis, or when you bring it into the Beis Amigdash, you're elevating the linen to up there, and up there it's not a klipa. So over there it's mixed. It's, it's, it's not mixing klipa and kedusha. It's mixing chesed and gavur. It's okay. Over there the pishtan, the linen, is reflecting its source. Shamu min biminoi. Over there it's one type and the other type, which are the same type. It's a mixture of the same, the same thing. You're mixing the hair with the scalp. As we said earlier, where, where the hair comes from, that's okay. Another example. You're not allowed to turn on a fire on Shabbos anywhere. But in the Beis Amigdash, they lit fire in the Beis Amigdash on Shabbos in the course of the work. They were allowed to do so. Bekarbanis. Yeah. No. They do, they were they they turned they put on the fire on the on the on the on the on the on Mizbeach. It's a mitzvah. That's right. Vikhain, another one. Bekarbanis Varoya Islamila. Prohibited marriages. Well, you're not allowed to marry a, a sister. A brother and a sister can't get married. A father and a daughter can't get married. These are all they're, they're considered the, the worst types of relationships. And yet, in the supernal worlds, these are the holiest unions. Yeah? In, in Atsilus, in the world of Atsilus, in the world of emanation, brother and sister is married. Because the Eir Anpen and Malchus are brother and sister. That's a brother and sister. They're, they're, they're the energy of brother and sister, and they're married. It's not an analogy. That's the real brother and sister. It's even more brother and sister than our. our we're an analogy on that. It's real brother and sister. And sometimes it says on the highest days there is a union between Chachma and Malchut. That's father and mother. A father and, and, and daughter have relationship. And over there it's holy. Down here it's the worst corruption. 
Certain things are so holy, they can't be translated down here. And when they get translated down here, it comes in a broken way. Look in these places. From this we'll understand why it's permissible to have climb and tzitzis. After the sin of the tree of knowledge, Kain becomes the nest. Kain is from the word kan, a nest, but he becomes the nest for all the klipot. He became separated from heaven. As they existed before the sin of the tree of knowledge, there was in a state of there wasn't at all this level. They were still different. Cain was Gavur and Hevel was Chesed. They're both unified. They're all considered right. Example. Michael, 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 the archangel Michael, who's the king of snow. He's made up of snow. Where it says he gives snow like like summer, like, like wool, again, chesed side. The Gabriel, and Gabriel, who is what? Fire, opposite of snow. And he, what clothing does Gabriel wear? Levush habadim. He wears linen clothing. Michal wears woolen clothing. Michal. Because he, he's, he's, he's made up of snow. And by snow it says, Hanoi Saint Sheleg. Hashem gives snow, katsamer, like wool. So snow and wool is, the, is associated with each other. And it's related to the angel Michael. Gavriel is the malach of fire and related to what? To linen. It says by Yecheskel, um, he saw the angel come dressed with, with a measuring stick and he gives him the measurements of the Beis Amigdash. Against all the power of Gavura measuring. Who is it? Gavriel. And he's wearing linen, because linen is the power of din, of judgment, all that. But Medrash Rabbah Pashas Reishas. But yet, Michal and Gavriel are like wool and linen. And what do we say? Hashem makes peace between Michal and Gavriel. Why is Hashem called the king that makes peace? Melech Shasholim Shaloi. He makes uh, he makes peace. In Israel, for example, the same Klippas that want to make take away all the boundaries. In Israel itself, they want to create where there is not supposed to be boundaries, they want to create a border. You understand the opposite? Eretz Yisrael is one country, and it's a land belonging to the Jewish people. They want to make a border and make it into a two-state. And mix the land, half for Jews, half for this. It's a mixture. On the one hand, it's a mixture. And on the other hand, it's creating a boundary that should not be a boundary. (laughs) It's okay. And that's why, you know, they're talking about peace. 
and the current administration, which again, he's, 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 as I see it, is just a power to pave the way for Mashiach, is saying, no, we have a whole new plan for peace. I don't know exactly what the plan is, but you see Netanyahu is now saying that um, now we have an opportunity based on uh, the, the current Trump's plan for peace that, 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 that we're now going to annex the whole Jordan Valley. Annex means we're going we're gonna to announce that the whole Jordan Valley is part of Israel. Ooh, today we had already a protest from five nations of Europe. Five of the five Gevurot. Who are they? Let's guess. <laughs> France and Germany. France and Germany and Italy. Uh, who else? The other two? I forgot already. Norway, probably. Anyways. And Britain, okay. How can it be, he's asking? Wool and linen is shotless down here. And up there, Hashem makes peace between wool and linen, between Michal and Gavriel. Down here, there they can be together. That's related to the next Mimer where he explains how tzitzis are called gidulim because it's related to Hashem Elokai gidalta to the greatness of God. It's before the chsin. Over there it's fitting that the two should be unified. Through the ties, all that kind of unification. Okay, so we have to bring it together in a godly way, the way the Eberster wants things together, and that's the, that's the way things will work. It will not work in any other uh, superficial um, way that doesn't work. So l'chaim everyone.